We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your true faith, Newcastle United podcast. you got Michael Collin, Simon Campbell, Ben Wade, and me, Alex Hurst. And we thought we'd do a podcast this football-free weekend for Newcastle United. little bit of a taking of stock since the new owners took over in October. We're getting on for four months now that they've been here. And the weekend when Newcastle United reportedly and supposedly are going to sign a 40 million euro player, Brazilian, <laughs> current Brazilian international from Leon in a position of the pitch that we badly need strengthening and reinforcements. We thought it was as good a time as ever to reflect a little bit on how it's gone, how it's going, and what we think might happen next, and how we all feel about it as Newcastle United supporters. We're on Patreon, £6.60 a month. Nearly 600 people have now joined us on that platform to listen to me, the lads, uh, other lads, and Charlotte do lots more podcasts about Newcastle United every single week. So if you like what we do, please <coughs> join us on there. Mickey, I'll come to you first, mate. Um, four months in, how how does it feel for you right now, pal? Right now, I mean everything everything is changing kind of right now. This is the this is the mentality and this is the type of signing that's gonna that's gonna transform this football club. This you know this individual transfer shows you everything you need to know about the new ownership and how things are gonna go. And now whether or not it's successful this year is another question we can talk about another time. But the mentality change. Is apparent now that you know the two. If you look at the two previous signings, we've made two permanent signings. You've got Trippier that was slightly opportunistic, wanted to be back in the north, wanted to come back to England. Newcastle have capitalized where we've got some cash. Chris Wood, relegation rival striker, we've capitalized on a, um, a release clause that, that apparently not a lot of people knew was in his contract. Um, we found out through Trippier, which is another bit of opportunism. It's astute transfers and it's, it's clever signings at a time when we needed those players. But this one is one where we've got we've gone out and we've found a top quality player playing in a top European league that other teams wanted to sign now and we've done it. We've put the money up, we've done the deal, we've got him to agree to come and play for Newcastle. Now I know he hasn't actually signed yet, so this could all be out the window. But this is the real one where you think there's a significant change in the way this club is running, and that for me feels feels really important. Um the mentality of us as a fan base has completely changed already just because we've been given even scraps of positivity. And, and you know, it hasn't it hasn't all gone well so far, but the fan base has turned and everything's different. But this, for me, is it's so significant that we've got a player that other teams wanted. And I, I cannot really remember a time previously where we've gone out and got someone that another team really wanted to sign. Um, and, and it just feels so significant. I, I don't know whether you agree. Um. 
I agree with everything you've said, Mickey, to an extent. Uh, yes, it's 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 quite clear this this is um this is a football club behaving like a football club, which is something that we're not used to, and some people have probably never seen when it comes to Newcastle United. Mistakes have been made, and uh, I I understand what you're saying about the the Bruno transfer. It is a massive game changer in terms of the quality of signing we are now now making again potentially. I am a bit worried. It's the 30th or 29th of January as we speak. We still haven't bought a centre half. Like what they're doing? <laughs> we really, really, really need a defender. So there's still questions, and you know, they've got a few days to sort that. But um, it's 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 been a funny one, hasn't it? There's been weeks in the last four months where I've thought they haven't got a clue what they're doing. And then they'll turn around and buy um, and buy Trippier. And that the I thought the buying of Chris Wood, whilst not ideal, it was a, a needs must signing, and they 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 hit that button. They did the same with with the um, with the Eddie Howe appointment to an extent because we had the uh, the the managerial kind of situation played out in public. They left Bruce in charge one game too long. They left Jones in charge two or three games too long, and then they realised they had to make a decision. So. Credit for, for just doing it. Eddie Howe wasn't maybe people's first choice when some of the names that were being bandied around, but he's still a massive, massive improvement and a proper football manager that we can all get behind, and that was what was needed at the time. It's united everybody. So they have made some mistakes, and it, it, it was probably to be expected from a bunch of people who haven't run a football club before, taken over mid-season and taken over the shit show that was Mike Ashley. So I'm trying not to be too harsh, but the, there still have been some questions to be asked of them um, so far, but... You can probably forgive them that because we don't know how bad it was behind the scenes taking that club off Mike Ashley and how much other stuff that we're not seeing and hearing about is still being resolved in the background. Just to just to defend the the, the, the two points you raised there, Sina, understand that point of view. It's one that I share a little bit myself, but in terms of what they're doing with the centre backs, they've just been trying to sign absolutely class players. <laughs> like Probably could have if they do get Dan Byrne, and I hope we do. Team for Geordies are happening one day. Um, if we could just have one game at the end of the season where we just play all your local lads, even if we get beat, I'll be happy. So, as long as there's nothing riding on the game, and obviously not this season, but like they've gone out and tried to buy, like in my very, very um obscure opinion, because I literally quite often haven't heard of these lads before, link with Newcastle. Um, like they're both absolutely class, like Carlos and Botman. Like so class, in fact, that the clubs selling them are desperate not to sell them. And I feel a bit like Emery as well. I agree with you. It seems on that from the outside looking in, not to have been particularly well handled, and we didn't get what we wanted. And there's blame to be apportioned potentially. However, I'm just more proud of the fact that we went to try and get a Champions League manager. We went to try and get the best young centre back in Europe. We went to try and get one of the best centre backs in the Liga, and that kind of like um, ambition. It's like yeah, they're reaching really, really high. You're not quite getting there, but I'd much rather have that, even in our perilous state, because the rewards could be so great if you get there, than like going for Hamza Chowdhury on loan and shit like that. Like I just, yeah, I, I, I do agree with what you're saying that, you know, from the outside looking in, you're kind of like, what, how, how are these things so public yet? So, you know, why they're so public is probably a better question. Um, but I still have to give credit to them. And I enjoy the fact that the ambition is so sky high that a team in the relegation zone who have been fucking shit for like years are going out there saying, you're absolutely class. 
come and play for us. Fair. Ben, your thoughts so far, mate, on what the lads have been saying and what you think? Yeah, um, just on your point there, I mean, the reason why it's so public is because every team in the world knows we're now <laughs> the richest club in the world. So they're, they're going to use every trick in the book to, to try and get a bit more money out of us. And that will include in trying to get us in bidding wars with everybody else. And I mean, there's <clears throat> there's absolutely no way we're the only people in for Botman and, and Carlos or the only ones looking at them. Do you know what I mean? So um, I, I can 100% understand. I don't think it's anything that we can control that nothing gets out about the players like that. Um, but you're spot on in terms of the calibre of player we're going for. I mean, just look at the individuals. <laughs> You've got Botman that's just won a, a, a French title that's beaten this world-beaten PSG side. And then you've got Carlos that's in currently in a um, a title challenge for Sevilla in, in Spain, the first one they've had in a long, long time. So, I mean, just even in the players' um, own specific kind of um, situations, like it's mental <laughs> that the, the, the club that currently sit in the relegation zone in, in England are, are going out and trying to... Trying to attract that calibre of player to come and, and the fact that it sounds like both players individually were willing to come I mean obviously the, the money side will be a big factor in that but as you say it's it's nice to have that as kind of it's not even really in question that we, we can attract these types of players and that, that was, for me was probably the big concern as well it's alright um, having the money but you've, you've got to be you've, you've got to be able to attract these players and I think Trippier, as you said, was um, a, a huge kind of, or that's what I think it might be Mickey, but he was like a huge first kind of key piece in, in this because he, he, he is in England international currently, um, very well thought of, has got obviously connections all over the shop. Um, I mean, bloody hell, who knew he was a scout and a spy um, as well? <laughs> so, um, I mean, what a coup that is. Um so yeah, I think it's. I, I agree. It's a really, really good start. Um, yes, there's there's probably been a couple of mistakes and and could have um, there could have been a few things that have gone a little bit better. But um, I, I find it hard <laughs> to criticise them given what we've just been through for the last ten years. Like I, they they could have done a lot, lot less, and I'd have been buzzing. So um, the fact, as you say, that we're, we're going for these caliber of players, and I think these signings are probably coming a lot earlier than I thought they would in terms of. The Bruno signing, the Carlos signing, um, okay. Obviously, we're still waiting on Bruno. The Carlos one hasn't happened, but um, it's it's encouraging. <laughs> it's encouraging that we're, we're in the market for those players now. When we're in a relegation scrap, I literally was expecting we're just to be buying all the Burnley lads and all the Watford lads, and then have to pie them like next year. We haven't done that, so that's great to see. Everything's just a step up the ladder, isn't it? And it's uh, that's becoming so apparent. You know, the trip the trip you're signing was the trigger, and then. You build on that trip you're signing to bring in this new lad from France. What comes next? That's the question. And Ben, you're right. These players, these players, are, in theory, have agreed to sign, haven't they? Um, and and Alex, I completely agree with you. To the the ambition to sign a a, a you know top class centre half is correct. It's the thing we need to do as well because that's the, the caliber player we need to sustain the form. We're going to need to stay in this league this year. Like we have to be signing someone that's that's brilliant at defending, especially if we're only going to sign one. The criticism I've got is we haven't reacted quickly to not being able to get those players in. You know, there's, there's the, the long-winded pursuits of those two lads. It hasn't been followed up by bringing in anyone else like next down the chain. And it, it seems it seems like we've been maybe slightly narrow-minded in it and it's cost us because we didn't have 
We didn't have players in for Watford. We, you know, we won the game against Leeds, so I can't criticise them too much for that. But we should have had players through the door before Leeds. We definitely should have had someone in at centre half, in my opinion, before Watford, and, and with someone better at the back, we would we would have won that game instead of drawing, and things look a lot more rosy for us. So that's that is something that you can be quite disappointed about. You know what? I disagree a bit, Mickey. Um, first of all, they picked up four points from Watford and Leeds. I think that's what we needed. They probably didn't come the way we expected. But to me, and I said this in the pod with, with Craig Hope the other night, as, as important as signings are, I don't think there's a bigger thing that happened in January than beat Leeds, in my opinion, because points and wins are so precious to us this season. That was the most important thing to do this window. We did it with beat Leeds. Um, I just think until, like, January, it's just not... It's I don't... Th- I, 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 I think there's nothing or very little the club could do more to get players in earlier in January when they're looking at the calibre of players you're talking about. They could get worse players. See, so Watford brought in players pretty in the window, but they're like lads for four million quid. They're lads on loan. I don't think... Just just say, for example, you know, we've got Wood and Trippier, and Trippier was done for the Cambridge game, so that was nice and early. Wood was done in time for Watford, so that's nice and early. Um, Guimarães or whatever he's called, Guimarães, I don't know how to pronounce it, I'm sure we'll learn in, in, the, in the days and months and years to come. Um, he wasn't, but assuming his signature comes, and it is an assumption, but it seems if, you know, we don't have lads knocking around Brazil for no reason from Newcastle United with like, you know, unofficial club business, so I assume that's done. Um, that takes Newcastle spending to £70 million in the January transfer window. Um, I just don't know if there's a way to get that kind of business done quickly in January because the clubs don't want to sell. And in addition, because it's such a short window, like I think Ben said, these clubs have got their own shit going on. If if you're Lille or you're Severe or you're anyone or you're Man United with Jesse Lingard, why why rush? Why not sell them in the last week of the window? Why Why would you choose to sell if you don't want to sell? at the start or the middle of the window, when even if you do have to get rid of the player, you get a couple more games out of them. Like Ben says, you can see who else is interested. And then if you do have to sell them, you could sell them on deadline day. So just think, I don't know what they could do differently within reason to get the calibre of player that they want in at the start of the window. And this was a common thing, and I've talked about it a bit on podcast, that there was a, a running set of opinions that said we need these players in first of January. That well, I'm not saying it's my opinion, but that was that was a theme on social media picked up on like we need to go first of January. Having now experienced this because we don't the owners don't have any experience of this, but neither do we as fans actually trying <laughs> to find good players ever. But in January, um I just I honestly I just don't know what you do to those football clubs there to make them sell their players. You're already probably paying too much money for them already in terms of what you would get them for in the summer. Um, so I just, you know, and like the fact that Trippier and Wood were both release clauses suggests that without those release clauses, I don't think those players would have been here either at this point of the window. So uh, again, I, I haven't gone into this team, um, PCP partners, <laughs> Ruben Brothers and PIF, even though I am team them, but it wasn't the intention to just kind of knock back everything you say. But I do think, like, I, honestly, I don't know, Mickey, you're or any of you do, you, do you disagree? Like, in this window, how do you get players to come more quickly when clubs don't want to sell their best players to you? I just don't, I don't think there's a way. More, more money. 
But more, and that's fair enough. But more more money. Okay, so if if you pay, say you go out and get Botman for sixty million quid, then then you can't buy this lad. We're going to buy for 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 forty million euros. Like, the, 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 you know what we are. We do call them, and I'm guilty of it. The richest club in the world. We got no idea if they're we're the richest club in the world. We don't know how this transfer window is being funded. There's no sponsorship yeah. deal being announced. So is it loans? Do the loans have to be paid back? It, yeah. You know, I, I I genuinely don't know, and I think. I think that they are. They do have to be careful about what they do, and, and then you've got the injury to Callum Wilson. Maybe if Callum Wilson doesn't get injured, they don't have to sign Chris Wood, and then they can stick another ten million on those two centre backs. It's all speculation, isn't it? But I just think I think they're doing very well. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, I I, I can totally understand the really really difficult position they find themselves in. It's absolutely not their fault that we're in the bottom three going into January, desperately desperately needing several really good players to to give us a chance but the problem is and again it's not their fault but this is their one chance because if we get relegated it's it's just going to set them back so much so yeah I, I i'm not saying that i don't think they're doing everything they can i think there's some inexperience in amongst the people who are running the club and that's gonna that's obviously gonna show but it's not like mike ashley knew what he was doing or any of the people he employed knew what they were doing so again it's it's i'm not necessarily <laughs> criticizing them and it's very hard to um say they're doing a bad job compared to the last regime. It's just, we're also tense about it. We're also worried about relegation. I think every, lots of minds <laughs> would have been put at ease had this gone a bit more smoothly. But yeah, everything you've said is right and everything that's that's gone on so far doesn't doesn't scream a lack of um, effort and a lack of trying to do the right thing. It's just, it's just <laughs> scary, isn't it? Because I still think the squad as it stands might not be enough. So I was just being hypercritical to, you know, for the... Almost yeah, for the sake yeah. of the podcast, it's it's so hard to criticize them when they vote. Once we signed this lad, they, they would have spent more in January than they might actually ever spent in January in the whole time he was here. So that's the transformation is just massive, and there's there's probably no one that wants this to go well more than those lost. Like they stand lose so much in terms of time and future funding if if we don't stay in this league this year. But we we're the one that see it on the ground, and that's why you just have to be. I don't know. Not I don't want to say cautious because they're doing everything right. But just I would have thrown the I would have thrown the checkbook at a centre half. Uh, that's been the problem for me at Newcastle for so many years, and they, they've obviously seen that, and they just haven't quite got there. Maybe it's a bit of bad luck with the two that they've picked being so critical to their own teams. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I was being hypercritical. I, I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on and talk about. Um... What it's like as a supporter now the club has changed. You know, I look there, Aston Villa at home, there's one seat. So I don't know when this is going to be released, but there's one seat in the Leeds' end left for Aston Villa at home. Assuming Villa bring 3,000 and they don't release any more tickets. Um, Aston Villa's two weeks today. Newcastle are really bad. They're in the relegation zone and it's two weeks before the match and it's sold, it's completely sold out. Tickets, in my opinion, ain't cheap either. Uh, for large parts of the stadium, uh, which is fair enough. Football isn't cheap anywhere these days. I, I wish it was. I hope it can be. Um, that's incredible. I think there's a couple of hundred tickets left for Everton at home or Tuesday night fixture, which is on TV. In terms of the, I think, you know, it is, it's way too early to, to, to ask um, on you and is doing a good job in Castle United. We're just talking generally about how we feel so far and the things, the events that have happened so far and judging those events rather than their overall ownership. But, I don't even without that discussion. I think fans are voting with their feet for the owners because fifty-two thousand against Cambridge. The fact that if they put see, if they put twenty thousand season ticket sales on sale tomorrow on a Sunday, I'm convinced they would sell out within an hour. 
uh, once word got round. So there's clearly the support is absolutely behind them um, and behind the manager as well, it has to be said. Um, lads, I don't know who wants to start this one off. Um, Sai, so start with you, That actually, because Mickey started last time. We'll come to Ben first next time. Um, you know, you, you've re-engaged, I think it's fair to say, with Newcastle United a lot in terms of match attendance, um, in terms of probably emotional connection. No, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, since the new one has come in, what has been different for you compared to what came before that? It's the the biggest comparison I can make isn't um hasn't been the good results, it's been the bad results. The bad results hurt again. They really, really hurt. I went um I think I've only I went twice with Bruce this season, but you know, going going to Newcastle matches to see Bruce and losing to Inoy. I went to um the Chelsea game, which was Jones, I think, wasn't it? How hadn't taken over yet. Um and watching us lose 3-0 at home to Chelsea, and I felt nothing. I was like, this is this is rubbish. Um, I was at the Southampton game, I think, with you, Ben, we drew 2-2, and I was like, doesn't even feel like a good result, doesn't feel like anything. Whereas the draw against Man U, the draw against Watford, were like heartbreaking, and I was like, bloody hell, I'm, I, I give a shit again. Like that, That's the difference. When you know the football club's trying and trying to be competitive, and that there's people running the club, and the, the manager and the players are, are giving everything, and the defeats start to mean something again. And yeah, obviously winning games over time is going to feel class. And being at Leeds uh, last week was was an unbelievable experience. Um, and it just felt like a, an away an away day of years gone by where I went giving a shit, I came home absolutely buzzing. And I was still beaming like three days later at the experience. Whereas, again, the last away game I went to with you lot was uh, the Sheffield United game a few years previous, which we won. And it was nice, but didn't really come home feeling that same buzz because it ultimately didn't really mean anything. And Steve Bruce is a manager and it was just a, like a nice day out, but that was it. So going to the match has, has, has reverted back more quickly than I would have thought, given how long I kind of started to disengage with it. Um, it's funny you should mention uh, voting with your feet, which is what I did with Steve Bruce ultimately and, and gave up my uh, my season ticket. And now it is a bit of a clamour to get individual tickets to each game for the rest of the season. And God knows how the season ticket situation is going to pan out in the summer. But it just it just goes to show that there's going to be like 80,000 people wanting tickets for each game or something mental like that. Because um, you think about the, the 10,000 people who cancelled their season tickets with Bruce, they're all wanting to go about the match now. Plus, you know, all the other people who have dripped off over the years. So they're just the demand is going to outweigh supply for, for years to come now. And that, that speaks volumes, given that we've still been pretty much shite since since the takeover. Like, we haven't really played that well at home, bar the Man U game. Um, and it's just like, this is what this this club can be. So, yeah, m- match attendance is, is a wonderful thing again. And I, I genuinely was worried for a while that I would never get that back because I'd, I'd got so dis- disengaged with that. I was so unarsed about going to the match that I'm, I'm quite pleasantly surprised that I still care, and I enjoy it again. Ben, same question, mate. I mean, for me, it's it's just yeah, the, the excitement is back, um, and a lot of that. To be fair, I, I, I think you've got to give how credit. Um, obviously, the results haven't gone necessarily the way we would have we would have dreamed of, but um, the, the performances I think have have been what we were kind of look, looking for. Um, I mean. The the three three with Brentford like was just a wild game, um back and forth, uh, as Sai said there the Manu game again like a really exciting game, um and it's not necessarily that the quality's gotten much better but I mean we're, we're obviously we're leaking goals like there's no tomorrow and 
Um, but we're, we're, we're creating chances, and just I think just the the outlook of of the team in terms of it, there's just more positivity there. They're actually trying to compete in games rather than kind of hanging on for dear life and hoping we'll make something. <laughs> like just the the mindset has switched. So for me, I mean that's probably the biggest thing is that it's actually the, the games are fun to go to now. Um, it was getting pretty dull at times. I mean, so I mentioned the Southampton game there. I mean that that was a, a shocker, and considering how exciting it was in terms of we scored what we thought was a late winner, and then they they score like a last minute penalty like that, that should be exciting just in itself. But as Sai said, there we kind of just left the ground like, oh well, we've dropped two points there, a bit rubbish. Um, but ultimately, my waiting goes on. Like, and the, you you can't help. Um, you, you can't help but not have been disengaged with it. So I don't know. It's just, yeah, everything has changed for me and it's it's much, much better. Um, and yeah, I can't wait for more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's like, I like the fact, and I'm biased, but I like the fact that we have been proved right. And by we, I don't just mean people on this podcast. I mean the whole support, or nearly the, the whole support, and the general opinion of Newcastle fans, of Newcastle United, the football club, has been proved absolutely correct in the sense that Mike Ashley was holding us back, in the sense that I always said that it didn't need to have the PIF of Saudi Arabia by this football club. Um, sorry, we didn't need the PF to buy this football club, and that that be the apps, you know, that be the thing that reawakens us. The fact that has happened, even better, brilliant. But you just see the fact that we're still nineteenth, the, the fact that we hardly we can't win a game, the fact that we can't do lots of things, and you can't get a ticket for Aston Villa in two weeks' time. Um, Leeds sold out on eighty points. West Ham's going to sell out. You know, there's going to be 3,000 there anyway. The fact that the club's store's busy again, these things aren't happening right now because of the potential of the future, in my opinion. People aren't going to Aston Villa at home paying 58 quid for a ticket in the Melbourne stand. Aston Villa at home thinking, I'm buying this ticket for this game because in two years' time, we might be competing for the top six. There's just a passion for football in this region, which is unmatched in other parts of the country, in my opinion, and it just needed Ashley to leave. And we always said, Newcastle fans always said, Ashley is holding this club back. And I think I think you see it already from the re-engagement, from the feelings that you, you lads are feeling going to games. In addition, where's Steve Bruce? Why hasn't he been fucking linked with the Everton job? Why haven't they gone and got safe pair of hands, Mr. Reliable Steve Bruce in? You know what I mean? Like, we knew Ashley and Bruce were killing the club. Bruce is a bit harsh on killing the club. But, you know, take, certainly taking the club down and making the team worse. And not, just... not harsh enough, Daddy. Not harsh enough. <laughs> and you, you just you can you can see now the the complete re-engagement, and it's a very twenty first century thing. And it, and it, I always say it's not representative, and I could give you many examples why it's not representative, but we'll not do that today. Like social media is just buzzing. Like every like it's just absolutely buzzing every time Newcastle play. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit on there because of social media, but. Just the excitement that people feel towards the football club again. And again, I reiterate, currently, at the time of recording, we are shit. Do you know what I mean? We went to Leeds and won. We did all right. But it was two really bad teams, in my opinion, like playing each other at football. And 
and the fact that the the, the club can rouse the support it does the fact that people are desperate to go to Brentford desperate to go to all these places to watch this very bad football team play I don't know I just think that makes me excited for the future like if we think this transfer window is mental in January the, the most difficult window it's let's let's say that they bring in a couple more players let's say they get spend spending this window between 80 and 100 million if you think that's big in January assuming we stay up and it's a big assumption to make and it's far from guaranteed Wow, the summer is going to be absolutely wild. Like I said, like we talked about, the clamour for season tickets. I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to see Newcastle could sell 50 years. If we stay up and continue spending in, in the the desire for success is, is as what it is stated by Amanda Stabley, or was stated by Amanda Stabley, you could sell 50,000, 60,000 season tickets. I'm absolutely convinced of it. For St. James's Park, never mind all the people who either can't afford to buy or can't buy for work or don't live local or all that kind of stuff who cut in season ticket isn't viable for and buy individual tickets for matches it's just going to be unbelievable like we'll have to stay up we'll just we'll have to stay up because i i need that i need this summer uh to head into this new season genuinely thinking we're going to win the league oh <laughs> uh, that'll be class i think um the, the it's evident just off pitch as well the uh the the change in attitude and the, and the buzz around about the city and region like um we've talked about this before but you go to work on a monday now and everyone's talking about the match again or you, you're at work on a friday but you go to the match on saturday you know people are talking about it and far more people support newcastle than i ever realized in my office and far more people are aware of this podcast than i was ever aware of because People are re-engaging with every every bit of Newcastle podcasts with fanzines with with everything to do with it. People are actually interested. Like, oh, did you see the article in the Chronicle? When was the last time someone asked that? Like, it's just pe- people are giving a shit again and talking about it. You you walk through a pub on a Friday night and people are talking about the match, talking about Newcastle, talking about players, talking about the manager. Whereas I, I genuinely think that over the last four or five years that had just stopped. It was so such a insignificance in people's lives and it's come right back to the top and being the most important thing on everyone's agenda and it's 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 so class to be part of a of a city of an area where that's the case because football's mintman it's sustained as well isn't it it's not just you know it's not just been the first game after the ownership change where people have been buzzing to go you know, we're in the we're at the end of january now and we've won twice since then in five months four months whatever it is um and people are still you know tickets still sell out immediately people are still you know i get texts before in the build-up to every single game, asking us if I can get people tickets that um, that haven't been going to the match for ages, like it's and it's still going, and it it'll con- even if we stay in the relegation zone, that'll continue all season and in the next year in the championship. It's it's brilliant to be part of. I'm I'm so pleased for everyone. Sorry, I don't, I'm not having a go at you here, but I'm so pleased for everyone that's stuck through it and kept their season tickets because <laughs> we're the ones that are going to be able to go to every game and a lot there's going to be a lot of people out there that are extremely jealous of that no so no I, so, some people would say that those of us who voted with our feet made this possible so you know <laughs> you're welcome Mickey. thanks mate all right because the paf and saudi arabia like we weren't going to buy any castle but but sorry's not been good at the match well, that's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what happened Daddy. <laughs> all right it's um all right it's good Right, I should have done this advert break uh, loads earlier, but here we are. Um, so we'll be back for the last part of this show uh, after these messages from our partners at Blue Eye Podcasts. And if you don't want to hear the, the adverts on every single show we do, you can join us on Patreon, £6.60 a month. You know the drill. I say it lots. Back after this. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're going to finish the show, lads, um, on essentially what we think or, or you, know, you think. You know, we've been doing this this podcast now, oh, God, 2014, so seven and a half years. Um, we're talking about all these positives. We're talking about what's different. Yes, the team are still not very good, but we're hopefully going to get much better in the weeks and months to come. We'll have to get much better in the weeks and months to come. It's not an if. Um I don't know. I don't know. Anyone, anyone wants to start? Is is there anything that kind of springs out for you from previous transfer windows or or previous seasons or previous podcasts that that are just so different to now, and you're really grateful for um, that kind of are symbolic in terms of how much things have changed? Well, I'll go first. Um, the, the, there's obviously the point I made at the start of the show of going out and signing a player that other teams want to buy and that other teams don't want to sell that that's complete a completely different change <laughs> in approach and we've seen that we've seen that so much over the years the players that Newcastle have signed if you look back to when we brought in the whole the whole French contingent virtually every sign in Newcastle have made under Mike Ashley has been one where we've found someone that's cheaper than the think than the club think their transfer value is and we've brought them in regardless of whether we're needed to reinforce that position at that time so it's always been like for Newcastle, it's always been just putting square pegs in round holes and making the best of a of a cost-effective squad. Now that's that's not the case anymore. You know, we've gone out and spent 25 million quid on Chris Wood. He's 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 not worth that. But we needed a striker for that game and we needed a striker for the rest of the season. 
that's just it's just a completely different approach and you're going to see you're going to see the team progress so much because we're actually going to buy the players that we need to buy and the positions that we need to buy with the style of play that we need to buy we we literally have not seen that once since we started doing this podcast in your front room eight years ago dad <laughs> it's incredible really when you think about it it's, it's an incredible way to run a football club and it's 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 probably a miracle that we're not just languishing in league one with that approach I was looking at the uh, the transfer windows from the first year we did this podcast <coughs> in, in 14, 15. There were no January signings, none at all. Didn't buy anyone. <laughs> and that summer we'd bought Emmanuel Riviere. I mean, that's that's all you need to know, really. We also bought uh, Lascelles and Darlow. Like, it, was a, it was like preparing for the championship at the time when you look back, wasn't it? But um, yeah, just, just no, no business at all in January, except selling Alan Pardew to Crystal Palace, which you could argue was a was a positive, but um, just, just, just Not totally... when Grandover took over, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> what a terrible six months that was. Um, what a time to start a podcast, but yeah, it's 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 just worlds apart, isn't it, Miggy? There's no, it's 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 almost impossible to compare because it's like it's it's like comparing a totally different thing. Like one's a football club, the other is just like some mental group of blokes running running some ridiculous business in a way that should be run. Yeah, we're, we're like a football scheme rather than a club, aren't it? Like... <laughs> I mean, you spot on there. Though. I mean, that that's that ultimately is is we've gone from a, a club who everything was about value. Like, what? Like, can we steal some value from this club and like get get someone on the cheap to to sell on? And everything was all about right. What what money can we recoup from a, a player like this? And I mean, even. The, the club's record signing at this moment, Joe Linton, were here was bought with them hoping to sell him for like 100 million, like in a year or two. Like, it's just a preposterous, ridiculous, like, way to try and run a, like, a competitive business. Now, obviously, I appreciate without all the money in the world, it's like you have to kind of um, operate in a certain way where you, you, you do have to be able to, um, to cash in on, on certain assets and things like that. But, like, it was clear all through Ashley's whole thing was always about buy cheap, sell, try and sell high. And, and you look at, and to be fair, I think that's probably the one thing you can maybe give them a bit of credit for was they, they did know how to pick a player. Um, obviously that French contingent were way, were made a lot, a lot more money than we probably should have really. Um, especially when you, if, if you include Wijnaldum and Sissoko's um, transfers sort of within within that. I know, obviously, Wijnaldum wasn't part of that that group, but um, it's just refreshing that we're, we're going out and signing a, a Chris Wood that's for now. Like, he's, it's, it's they're not worried about or what his selling value, because ultimately as fans, and I, I know we get wrapped up in it, and I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone, we talk about the kind of, or how much are we paying for this player, like, or what could he be with? And we, we get kind of sucked into it. And to be fair, probably more so under the Ashley area. Like we've, we've always talked a lot more about the money side when really it, it shouldn't it shouldn't have that much of an influence on on as fans what we what we think of a player type of thing. So um it's nice just to be able to judge a player and not be worrying about oh well what what's this what money are we gonna get back for him? Um so I mean for me that's that's probably one of the biggest shifts. And it'll probably come come around more the more signings we make that of, of this caliber, but um, that's a huge one that we've, we've gone and signed and, and and we've signed two players in their prime, both at age thirty or over uh, in in Trippier and Wood that are coming in already cooked, like ready to go, ready to roll. They're not going to take a season or two to to settle in, and and like there's a bit of a gamble there. Like these are tried and tested players, so. 
again, that I mean, that for me is the biggest kind of shift in terms of the the caliber of players we're going for. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a great point about like it's it's not it's not just signing the players for now. It's the message it sends. It's like like I said, I made this point earlier. People aren't paying the money for Aston Villa at home or whatever fixture it is because in two years' time, Joe Linton might be class, which is what the club were doing when they, when they paid so much money for a player who, you know, hadn't played in England before but was so young and, and, and you know, wasn't prolific at the club he was at. It wasn't even like he was doing the things that they thought he might be capable of where he was. So it was very much like, this might be good in future. Can you buy into this? Because in future, it might be good. Like you say, Ben, we're going to that. I mean, the relegation picture plays a lot of importance into it, but we're going to these games, we'll make these signs, and I kind of think everything is done because Newcastle United needs to be better than it is right now, not in future. And I don't know, there's just, like I said before, there just seems to be in, whether it's carefully crafted PR, whether it's genuine, people can make their own decisions. I don't think you spend 300 million quid in a football club without it wanting to be absolutely class and already believing the potential is there. Like every time we went to a game or I went to a game, and I have said this in podcasts over the years, there was all it was almost mean, like meaningless because, and like you said, Sai earlier with the draw against Southampton, it's like, well, we've scored in the last minute and then conceded in the, the even later last minute. What do you do now? How are you supposed to feel after that, apart from angry? But even if we'd won the game, it's like, three more points to staying up. It's just pointless because you get to the point where just remaining in the Premier League every season, you all, all you're trying to do is keep the wolf from the door. All you're trying to do is 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 stop going down to the championship and then that being so catastrophically shit that you don't get back up back up and the whole club's on fire. And I don't know, it's just like I don't know, these these owners could end up being terrible. I don't think they will be. But I still always be grateful and I will always believe that as a fan base and uh, a group of owners and the people that run the club, we are on the same page right now. We all want Newcastle United to be better, like yesterday. <laughs> we all want Newcastle United to be one of the biggest clubs in the world. Mickey calling it a football scheme is quite a good way of putting it. It was just an afterthought before. The owner couldn't even be asked to come to the games. So what if he couldn't even be asked to come and watch the team play? What, you know, What kind of message did that send to the rest of the club? Um you know, uh, Yassir, our chairman, the chairman, uh, our <laughs> um, um, you know, he's been to more games flying in from wherever he's flying in from already. I think what's he been to three or four games then, you know, and he's technically not even running the club, but then I, Mike Ashley probably did in the, in, in the final five years of his reign here, like little things like this matter to supporters, in my opinion, Mickey, you want to go? I totally agree. It's uh, that that leads well into my point. It's just about the messaging and the communication from the club is is so different now, and not just the club, but the the owners of the club. So you're seeing Jamie Rubin tweeting after games, buzzing like you you, you see Murdad like buzzing after games, sponsoring people for doing charity runs and stuff that he finds on Twitter. Like people might think that that's slightly cringe, but I love it. It's like I love that these people want to be involved in the club and in the community and they want to tell people about how buzzing they are when we win. Look at Yasha's reaction when Callum Wilson scored in that first game. Like, he was genuinely buzzing, chucks a scarf up in the air, like, turns around and grabs people like like, like we do at the match. Like, <laughs> is he not after doing that? The only thing he ever did like that was was drink a pint of beer in the stand at Wigan to, to look cool. 
Like, <laughs> and it turns out that we were monster behind a pint ever again in this city. Um, it's just everything about the the way the messaging around the club is is put out there, both in, in terms of like official media and kind of backhand social media channels from the people that are running the club. It's just comp- a chalk and cheese to what it was, and it's class to be part of. It's class to know that if something happens at the club, we're going to like actually hear about it and what what was supposed to happen, what what the the mindset was, rather than having to guess what these mental lunatics were were thinking when they made made this movie. You've never seen Mike Ashley photoshop his head under Alan Shearer taking a pen against the Macros, <laughs> have you? <laughs> what a guy. What a guy indeed. I think we'll leave it there, lads. Um, unless there's anything pressing, you, you feel you haven't been given the opportunity to say. It's been a nice chat. Nice to be able to do these podcasts. Um, I still hate the idea of a winter break in the Premier League, but here we are. No, um, Nothing major this weekend to get stressed out about, apart from signing loads of class footballers, hopefully. Uh, so thanks to you lads thanks to everyone who has listened reminder if you needed one we're on pair in six pounds 60 a month come and join us for a lot of this kind of thing if you want speak to you all very soon cheers